Hey everybody, welcome to the RPG Backtrack. We're returning again, and this time it is episode number 10. I actually checked, thanks to Glenn. He actually encouraged me to check this time before we started, so that's a good thing. Always episode, looking out for you. Episode 10. I know it's been over a month, early July into late August, and it'll probably even be September before we post, but that's alright. We're back. We'll try to be more frequent, but... Haven't we said that every backtrack since maybe the second one, when the second one was late? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. when people stop having real lives and having work situations, mm-hmm. like, and by people I mean me, and me, it'd be a lot easier to do, and Jonathan. And, and then I did the whole quitting thing for three months. That probably didn't help. <laughs> yeah. That worked out I know, well. you quit. That's the best part, is you've quit, yet you've only missed two of these so far. <laughs> Wait, I only missed two? I thought I thought I only missed one. Uh, you didn't do the Shining Force one, and you weren't on the Lunar one. The Shining oh, Force yeah, one was back in December, because I think you just didn't show up for it. You weren't really quit for that one, so. Quitter. Uh, so, <laughs> hi, I'm Michael Cunningham, Max Storm, also your uh, host and public relations dude around oh, yeah. here at RP Gamer, and... Oh. What the... Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was Glenn leaving us because he didn't want to be around anymore. And let's see if I can add him back. This is this All makes right. an awesome intro. It does. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm we're, Victor. <laughs> we're now officially the RPG cast. <laughs> oh, RPG backtrack one. unplugged. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Well, we'll see if Glenn comes back. I'm calling. I'm him. here. I'm here. Oh, I'm good. good. Yeah, I guess he quit the call just like he quit. <laughs> this is how it all I've heard. See, every 24 hours. Computer for a quick second, and then brings you back again. So this is 24 hours, I guess, after I signed on for the first time yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah, you're in a hotel. That's yeah. all right. So, yeah, um, Michael Cunningham here, and your PR dude and host of the backtrack, and also with us, as you just heard, is resident quitter Glenn Wilson, aka Seventh Circle, aka Mr. Wilson. Shouldn't I be the resident unquitter now, since I unquit? Yeah, but you just quit the call, so I guess you're the resident. Ah, uh, but then I unquit it. Uh. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Unquitter slash reviewer slash editorialist slash. No, no, no. no. That was just a that was just a phase. I just wrote some editorials. That was, <laughs> that was your blue phase. Yeah, but doing reviews <laughs> is apparently just a phase too. So I don't know. Yeah, well, reviews got boring. I don't know. I got I got ran out of all the words I could use to describe good games after Fallout Three, and all the bad <laughs> words I could use after Valhalla Nights Two, and it just. All the rest are just, you can only write mediocre so many ways. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to get some worse games to come out so that you can review those. <laughs> oh, no. Expand no. your vocabulary. Valhalla Nights is coming out era of gaming. Yeah. I know, Valhalla Nights we do out next month, and uh, I'm, sure we can, I'm sure we can give you a copy. I'm sure I can stomp on it and throw it in the trash. <laughs> How but much long- more can it suck with Wii Motion Plus? That's hey, that would be that would be great to know. And, I think it would uh, be the game that makes me break my TV when I throw the Wiimote controller at it. <laughs> oh, and on that note, we also have with us um, who formerly known as Kiro Lamar, but he's actually Victor Balbion, also our content dude and uh, content extraordinaire. Content yeah. extraordinaire, and his name's Podcast not really. Steve, right? Yeah, apparently he's not really Kiro Lamar. You know, I'm not. Despite what other people may tell you. 
<laughs> that was an old EverQuest handle. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, I love we it. Will. We will. And joining us as always, last but not least, Mr. Jonathan Self, aka Nice, head of new updates, and Mr. Recorder, I guess I could call you. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's good enough. And hi. <clears throat> I don't think Mr. Recorder is a you know fun enough name. Though. Producer. What? I could be the producer. Pro- of RPG that, backtrack. There you go. Yeah, it's the go. RPG backtrack producer. I guess that's a heck of a lot more professional than calling you the recorder dude. <laughs> so, yeah, feel free to point that out if I ever call you the recorder dude again. That's fine. So. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I believe I'm a producer in this oh. endeavor. Oh, Lord. So, if you'll notice, we've kind of got a, you know, a, a usual crew, but we've got a different spin on things today because <clears throat> we're kind of going with a more PC focus. So this is either going to bring out all the PC geeks to listen to us, or it's going to be the least listened to backtrack we have. <clears throat> because <You're> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> At least we're going to set a record one way or another. So that's all I'm waiting on. So before we really jump into things, you know, since we're going to be a little more PC based, what what got you all into PC gaming? Um, you know, I know not all of you are hardcore PC gamers, but I know at least everybody here has played some game on PC at some point in time. So, Jonathan, why don't you give us just a brief overview of your kind of PC gaming introduction? What got you into it? Um, not much really. Uh, mid to late nineties. I well, mid to late nineties. Awesome. My parents just got a computer, and you know, as a kid, you think, hey, let's see what games I can put on the computer. And I went to a Walmart. And I picked up a copy of Diablo. And, oh, yeah, wow. that's some Very, good luck there. Yeah, when did you pick of well, all the games they had at Walmart? You picked the one that had a giant like Satan on the front, and you're well, like, it, "Mommy, mommy." <laughs> well, you know, it had like a sticker that said like a uh, game of the year 1997 or something like that by some publication I don't recall. And then after right. that, I uh, played Ultima Online for some years and. Most of my PC gaming history is just playing lots and lots of online games up till about maybe three or four years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. I take it you did you did some WoW in that mm-hmm. time as well and some other online stuff. So you played Ultima Online as well? Did you play Diablo Online? Uh, yes. Or was it mostly? Yeah, I played mostly did, online. Did do a lot of online play. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What about you, Glenn? Share with us your introduction to PC gaming. First PC game I not, ever played was and, when and I totally played. not politically correct gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be yeah, anything that. but that here today. Whoa! I visited a cousin who was in college in 1992, and he had Wolfenstein, and that was like, I guess I don't know why my cousin. I mean, I was like 10 at the time. I don't know why I was in his dorm room, but he just left me <laughs> his computer and like left, and uh, went to go hang out with friends. And I sat there and played Wolfenstein. That seems safe. But uh, as for real PC, and uh, my mom was an elementary school teacher, so she had like an Apple, and we used to play Oregon Trail all the time. Oh, but as far as like that Oregon Trail, I mean, who didn't play Oregon Trail though? I have yeah. never played Oregon Trail. Oh, wow. oh, oh you got to go back. <laughs> yeah, got to play it. I hear there's like an iPhone yeah. version or something like that. I put on my Jonathan has died of shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not playing uh, Oregon Trail. I, I always like starting out as the poorest profession and like, let's see if I can, you know, how many family members survive if I only start with 500 bucks, you know? Uh, and like, then the you goal die wasn't to see everyone live. The goal was to see, you know, at least me, as long as at least I live. It doesn't matter who else falls. Well, that's see, why you have children. Yeah. See, I never played that game outside of, like, school. So, you know, we generally got about 40 minutes in the computer room to play, 
and most of that time we'd spend talking. So I know I don't think I ever finished Oregon Trail. I never really I tried. I think crankers. Yeah, I got snake bit or something and died. Tried to see how many times I could attempt to ford the river and how many people I could drown. <laughs> yeah. It tells you the river's too high, and you're like, eh, screw it. You know, this game's not that long anyway. I'll just try to ford the damn thing and see what happens. And like, oh. it has this animation where the wagon goes across, and then, oh, no, it explodes, and all your stuff and people fly out of it. Cows it was hot back swim, then. Right? Need to yeah. do or- we need Oregon Trail 3D, something, you know, hardcore and extreme coming up soon. But uh, Were you going to tell us about something more recent that you got? I, I, I was. I okay, was. I'll, I'll not interrupt you with disagree. My real first take into PC gaming was uh, was also Blizzard. We got a PC and War, uh, Warcraft 2 came with it. And then oh. soon thereafter we picked up StarCraft and then on and on. And my my first thought, like, the reason why I really got into it in college, I didn't play many console games for years. I just played PC games, mm-hmm. was I thought PC games were all a lot more fun than console games. Well, there you go. I mean, I didn't I didn't have a PlayStation, but the friends I had who had PlayStations and I would play them, nothing on a PlayStation was as fun as PC games. And They were all playing Beyond the Beyond, before. probably. They were so I played Resident ugly. Evil 1 and 2 and... <laughs> No, you're solid and See, stuff. But. We, we've already hit PC, you know, snobbiness, and we haven't even got to Victor yet. <laughs> yeah. So this is yeah. this is awesome. Well, I mean, well, for me, for good gaming systems, there was like the Super Nintendo was awesome, and then there was like a lot of meh, and then I got a PC and started playing Blizzard yeah. games and we'll you know, Western <laughs> RPGs for the first time in my life. It was like <laughs> these are actually fun. I'll jump Why am I ever going to play a SquareSoft game again? Huh? <laughs> I'll jump in too because that was kind of a similar experience for me. I had a friend that. Uh, showed me Warcraft 2 for the first time, and I was like, oh, God, this is fun. And I just, <laughs> what really sold me on the game wasn't that, you know, the game was fun. It was just clicking on the characters and hearing what they said over and over again. Yeah. So I got my first PC in the 6 and got a copy of Warcraft 2 and just played the living daylights out of it. I don't think I ever got anywhere, but, you know, I just get all the resources, bring all the things on there, and then just click them to see what all they said, and then I'd get... But it was, it was yeah. fun to do. That was Michael. All he would do is send peons to the mine and just click on them all day. You could never pry them off the computer. Just click all the peasants. What? What? What is it? Scrooble. Oh, but yeah, apparently uh, our topic today is Blizzard, but it's not really, so <laughs> maybe we should change this midstream. I don't know. Uh, uh, Victor, maybe you can save us. What's, what's your PC experience? Uh, uh, well, I mean, you, you know, I, I grew up in Bolivia, and over there we were getting a lot of, you know, older consoles late. Like, we, we didn't get a, the NES, and we actually got the Famicom before we got the NES, like in 89, uh, Huh? And a lot of dictators and all. No, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it it was all all bad. And, I mean, half of the stuff we got was, like, black market (laughs) consoles and knockoffs and stuff. So, um, but but as far as PC games go, those seem to be a lot more prevalent. So my uncle had a computer, and he had, I remember, Jazz Jackrabbit, uh, Commander Keen, and the first Monkey Island. Oh, yeah. All there. So it was like this... (laughs) You know, it had platformers, it had adventure games, it was, it was, it was awesome. And you know, I'm gonna have to change my mind. That, you know, Warcraft 2 was not my first PC experience, you know, not counting Oregon Trail. But when I was, like, preteen, like 12, maybe 13, 
we had a neighbor that had a computer, and we were like, oh, cool, let's go over and play. And I got introduced to Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, oh dear. Wow. <laughs> at, yeah. at 12 or 13. And talk about a shocking Talk about a shocking thing to experience at you know, like age 13. And I was over there with like my whole family, and we were all watching this cool new computer game, and then some other things started happening in this cool new computer game. And next thing you know, I wasn't in the, allowed in the room anymore. I don't know What's why. What's doing but, uh, to that lady? I don't know. It still had the best like age verification system ever, though. Because they'd ask you the quite- quiz? Yeah, they would ask you questions about like Congress and laws and driving tests <laughs> <tests> and stuff. <laughs> this day and age, if you got those right, chances are they wouldn't let you play it instead of the other way around. Yeah, you know, <sighs> you know, thinking about it too. Now that you mention it, probably the first PC game experience I had was probably um, BBS's way back in the day. Oh, so that, that's pretty old school, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you'd count that at PC gaming or not, but... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was, it, you know? I was probably uh, <laughs> playing BBSs on a Apple IIc with a 300 baud modem, which we overclocked to 1200. I mean, magic, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah that was probably like early 90s. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was, that was a while back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, ever since then, I've been PC crazy. I mean, I, I loved a lot of consoles, I think the PSX is probably the last console that I really enjoyed having. Um, PS2 ended up just being the, the, the thing I played Katamari on. Um, so <laughs> you might be the only person on Earth who can say that and mean it. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the him whole and my JR- wife apparently. <laughs> you and JR- women everywhere. Me and women. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I was I was always a bigger fan of the RPGs. You know, I I grew up with, with your your wizardry, Ultima, um, Baldur's Gate, all that stuff. So um, JRPGs always seemed a little off me. It, it, I I hated the fact that I couldn't do mean things in JRPGs. You know, I was always saving something, having some stupid convent or whatever. And and like you know, you play Fallout, and so like I can make a kid pickpocket a grenade off of me. <laughs> and, you know, then he explodes. Um, so, <laughs> and so then you're a child murderer for the rest of the game. Is that right in your stats? <laughs> no, stats not if they pickpocket you. eight child murderer. <laughs> no, not if they pickpocket you. Oh, oh yeah. That's why you that way. Yeah, they deserved it if they did that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's very old school. It was but yeah, that is my PC gaming background. I mean, you know, going into it, I, I've played everything. Last game I, I, I've been playing is Wolfenstein, um, the new one, which is really weird. Um, so there you are. All right. So that kind of gives us everybody's background. It looks like we've touched on everything except Bethesda. Thing that we're going to talk about, yeah. <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to have a, a big Bethesda love fest, and we've gone all around them and talked about, you know, more Blizzard than anything and all that kind of stuff. So I guess Bethesda can thank Blizzard for us having this podcast because we can love on them because we a lot of us started playing Blizzard games to start with. So... <clears throat> yeah, it's like the uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know, it's the seven degrees <laughs> for PC relations. So. <laughs> How far you are from the Lost Vikings. <laughs> okay, so Bethesda, you know, I, I think that most people associate Bethesda with um, immediately Oblivion and Morrowind and Fallout 3 now. Because yes. um, that was my what, first experience with them. Well, Bethesda actually made the first John Madden football game. Oh, wow. Hmm. And the first Wayne Gretzky hockey. 
Um, because did you know that, or did you look it up today? No, I looked it up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've been gathering information. So this is, I mean, don't think that this is me just, just keeping track of the gaming industry since 1992. Yeah, uh, it's right. <laughs> just be like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. These are just interesting things that I found out. But yeah, I mean, they, they started off as a, as a gaming, I mean, as a, as a sports um, developer. And, you know, apparently a bunch of the developers were fans of GURPS and uh, the Hero System and uh, all these other tabletop games. And they decided to make this gladiator fighting game. Um, it was actually never meant to be an RPG. It was supposed to be this game where you had gladiators uh, that went around in, in cities finding championships, and then eventually you would get to, to you know, the, the Imperial City and have the Grand Tournament. And in the meantime, you could do these side quests, which were very RPG-like. And eventually that just kind of overtook the project, and you got Arena. Mm-hmm. Um Elder Scrolls. Uh, and, it, and they kept the name because apparently they had already printed all the marketing posters and stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> so initially Arena was just called Arena and was going to be an arena-based game. And yeah. they eventually decided, oh, well, I guess this is really an RPG now because we added so much crap to it. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, they just and- kept iterating on, 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 on the side quest until they actually became the focus of the game. And then they just threw out the gladiator thing <laughs> altogether. Oh wow! And see, this is kind of interesting because I didn't, you know, know this before you shared this with me. And kind of looking back at their track record up until Morrowind, you know, they still did a lot of racing games and sports games that I had no clue because, you know, here I am thinking, oh, Bethesda, you know, that's the only thing I associate them with is Elder Scrolls and now Fallout Three. And, you know, they did uh, bowling games, lots of bowling games for the PC. They did some drag racing games for the Xbox. A Where's Waldo game? In part, that's why. I mean, Bethesda was never on my radar until Morrowind came out and all the press and all the hype for Morrowind. And, you know, it was like Elder Scrolls 3. Like, what happened to 1 and 2? And I looked them up, (laughs) and they were so long ago. I mean, Elder Scrolls 2, Daggerfall came out before I even had a PC, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. have played it. And yeah, I mean, they, they did what it took to pay the bills for a decade and a half, kind of churning out sports games and Terminator games and weird stuff like that. Oh yeah, they, they had finally, a bunch of Terminator games. Yeah, they, you know, saved up all their money. And what the joke was that it took them a hundred man years to make Morrowind. It was just like so huge <laughs> and all the employees they had working on it. And then, you know, put out Morrowind and then everything they've made, the RPG since, or what they're thought of for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wait, and they were, almost went broke after Elder Scrolls One because they uh, they only shipped three thousand units at the beginning, which they said was it, they shipped less copies than they did with the Terminator Terminal Velocity expansion. Uh, <laughs> they missed the Christmas of '93, had to launch in '94 March, which I mean nowadays you have a lot of big launches in the first and second quarters. But I mean, 1994, that was pretty much, you know, like, all right, guys, you know, we gave it a shot, but let's become accountants. Because this is going to work out. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah. they did They did Home Alone for the NES, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And they did uh, the terrible monstrosity that was uh, Where's Waldo for the NES. <laughs> yeah. I never played that. That's, that's one of the I've worst. i heard of that. It's one of the worst games I've ever played. It's really terrible. Yeah, and this is them trying to fund their RPG, which was Arena. Um, now, See, wait, I, Victor, gonna, you've, you've played Arena, right? I've played Arena. Um, you want to talk about I, it? I, I, just, just to, to preface, 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 preface. Sorry, I'm the English second language. Uh, preface this. Uh, 
I'm going to use a quote by Ken Rolston, who, who was the, the, the lead designer for Morrowind. He said that he played Arena 20 times. He got through the beginning dungeon where you're supposed to go out into the world once. Um, Arena was not an easy game. Uh, it, it also worked a lot like older, like your JRPG type where you killed something and you get XP. Like they didn't start with the whole skill system until later on. Um, it was a really cool idea. You didn't see CRPGs like this at all, anywhere. Um, it was massive. You had a ton of stuff you could do. Uh, you had freedom to move out, uh, move around wherever you wanted. If you wanted to, you know, walk to another city, it would take days, but whatever. Um, so it was really novel. I mean, it was really exciting and interesting back in those days. But well, what type of game was it? I mean, was I mean, I guess it was two D. I mean, what was it? Just no, a nice it, was, it was three D. No, it was. So was it? It was in first person, like a wizardry game. Yeah, but it was uh, they were going to use the Doom engine, but then they got this other engine. I forget what it's called, but it's like it was one of the first actually 3D engines. So if you were to take Morrowind and make it look like it was released in 1994, um, it wouldn't be far off from Arena, except for the mechanics and all that. But I mean, just as far as how it looks, you're running around. It's 3D. You attack enemies on screen in real time, and you know. Um, if, if you want to try Arena, it is available for free download from as the site. Yep. As is Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall, yes. Yeah, Just and I mean, they have instructions on how to run them with DOSBox, because so you're going to need DOSBox. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we, we're going to get into here why Arena and Daggerfall fail so miserably, and that's that even if you have DOSBox, these games are almost guaranteed to crash on you at some point. They right. were horribly buggy. But glad to see they're still keeping that up with Fallout 3. And they're... Yeah! You saying that's an old legacy. That's like all PC games. Yeah, yeah. No, like if you well, think Bethesda, Bethesda just started screwing yeah. up with it, no. This is, and, this is all in well, line. You know, you know what is so fantastic about them, though, is the fact that they release stuff that is known to be buggy, to know, known to have problems left and right, yet... They're still great games, and they win like Game of the Year awards, and you know people give them five out of fives and love them. So it's yeah. absolutely mind blowing that these games, what they could be, even if they you know had the time to touch them up and make sure they ran well. So, <laughs> and it speaks to to you know how how awesome and creative these guys are because the the, the concept of a world this big. Um, it scares the hell out of most people because I mean they're MMO sized in some cases, you know. And and I mean we're talking dialogue, we're talking you have to build cities, you have to do different architecture quests. It, it's just astounding the amount of work that goes into these things. And I think it shows. I mean people are still saying that Arena and Daggerfall are the best games ever. Not a lot of people, <laughs> not sane people, not sober not, people, not me. But, um, you know, I mean, there's people that really love these games, and when they did the 10th anniversary uh, thing and released Serena, you know, I think it, it reminded a lot of people of a simpler time. It was kind of like seeing Mario 64 for the first time. Um, it was like, uh-huh. this world is huge, and, the neg- like, Baldur's Gate wasn't out yet. Um, you know, it was just a sound, because you had been playing Wizardry until then, which is just a screen, and every now and then a bat shows up, and you hit attack, and, like, it goes, and you get 6 XP. Uh, so going from that to, to Arena, it was just mind-blowing. But yeah, I mean, it, it, they caught up with the bugs. So what were the, the flaws with it then? I mean, you're talking about how super it is. Awesome I mean, just the bugginess, and the, the bugginess and the difficulty, those were the only real problems? Well, it was, it was really buggy, it was really difficult. And also, uh, because it was so huge, um, 
after a while, you would notice a lot of iteration, you know. Um, it, a, a lot of the places looked the same. A lot of the dungeons felt very similar because they were using the same palettes. I mean, granted, this is 94, so that wasn't uncommon. But because you're doing this for such an extended period of time, you know, I mean, we're talking 40, 50 hours, as opposed to most of your Super Nintendo RPGs, which you could be in 15. Um, it was just... It just got really monotonous really quick, and when you did kind of start getting on a roll, the game would crash the desktop. Um, <laughs> so you played the old Ultima and Wizardry games that I never did. How did it yeah. compare to them for you? It was, to- I mean, it was a totally different experience um, because the level of customization in Arena and Daggerfall, and you know later on Morrowind and Oblivion, blah blah blah, was so intricate and so 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 far beyond what you had been offered before because you know with, with games like Ultima Wizardry and all these old like uh first person RPGs that came out ages ago uh you had a set of classes and you choose one and you do stuff you know uh whereas here they were telling you that you could choose individual skills and fee- I mean it was the start of this kind of like D&D movement uh, beyond just the flavor and 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 rolling d20s for attacks, it so was, really it was going... also one of the first really truly customizable RPGs. I, I think it was one of the first of note. I mean, obviously you're going to see a lot of steps in that direction if you if you sit back and look at the history. But I think it's one of the first ones that really did it in such a scale and nailed it because it was a good game. It was just. There were so many of these detriments to it that eventually it, it was a really good game you didn't want to play. Mm. So you uh, still mean Arena. Uh, arena, arena itself still had all of this depth that you're talking about. It wasn't oh, just absolutely. you know really raw. So yeah, interesting. I so mean, they, thing, they got it a lot right on that first try. One thing I've wondered is that, let's say Bethesda went bankrupt in 2000, and they never made Morrowind or Oblivion and so on. No one would remember Arena, and probably, maybe even Daggerfall, no one would remember it. And why, why maybe in the same, the in the so same vein as, like, Anachronox, you know? Like, how many people do you know how to have played Anachronox? Well, Great see, game. This, I've heard of that. I mean, I'd yeah. never heard of Arena or Daggerfall, and I, I mean, I subscribed to PC gaming magazines that did some retro features, and, I mean, yeah. even now, on the internet, I mean, you see people that write about old games that were, you know, great old games that maybe I've never played, but you never yeah. see people praising Arena or Daggerfall. Well, Why that's because uh, Elder Scrolls 3 and 4 came out on the Xbox and Xbox 360, so, you know, not everybody loves PC stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's something that... <laughs> and they tell people, you know, go play this game if you want to. But you're not, I mean, if you love Morrowind, if you love Oblivion, I mean, we're talking... 1992 to 1994, two years development with a very small team that had until then like been been rolling, you know, the, the physics of a football flying across the field. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Is I don't really think it's so much the fact that Morrowind and Oblivion hit, you know, the Xbox and Xbox 360, as much as the fact that gaming had changed so much by the time that Morrowind was released, it was a totally different mindset because, you know, back in 96, it it just really, you know, you had um, what, Warcraft 2 and Diablo came out shortly after that or longly after that, but after that. Yeah. And, you know, you jump into the time when Morrowind was released and it was what, you know, 2002? Well, I think yeah, the no. technology had finally caught up with what Bethesda wanted to do. Oh, you know, absolutely. 
they, they, even with Morrowind, they had ideas that were much larger in scope than what they actually were able to put into the game. They just didn't pull a Peter Molyneux and tell everyone about it first, you know? I mean, they had a lot of things they cut down before the game came out. You're going to be able to interact with everybody, and everybody's (laughs) going to have different, uh, different emotions, and you can make them cry. You can play with fish in a pond. Yeah, yeah. and when you Uh, fish, (laughs) If you catch a certain fish, it may destroy the whole ecosystem in this whole area. And depending on his emotions, yeah. depending on how sad the fish was. <laughs> I'm going to give him ideas if he hears about this. The next no, he actually listens to every podcast posted on anything for ideas. Um, but actually, this leads nicely into Daggerfall because I mean. Just to give you an idea of how big Daggerfall was, and that, this was its biggest flaw, Morrowind, I think it's like 1% of the size. Yeah, I heard that when it came out. Morrowind was much smaller than Daggerfall. Holy crap, Morrowind is a 1% of the size of Daggerfall? Yeah, that was one of the big things they had to scope down with Morrowind, was when they added such a high level of detail. I mean, I guess yeah. I, Daggerfall wasn't, must not have been as detailed as Morrowind was. Well, no. They ended up having to scope down the place. If you're hanging out no, well, Wikipedia and checking the same stuff I'm checking out, no. No? It, I mean, well, I'm agreeing. Daggerfall had very little detail compared to Morrowind. No, I didn't I didn't read anything about Arena or Daggerfall before we started yeah, no, the, recording. The, the, the thing about Daggerfall was that um, it was all procedurally generated. So you, you basically they just dumped a bunch of textures and uh, a, a bunch of, you know, dialogue for, 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 like, this is a shopkeeper, this is... A dude that tells you where the hospital is, that kind of thing. Wait, the entire game was randomly generated, even like the towns? And the well, people? no, no. I mean, everything except very specific NPCs and locations was randomly generated. Because there are 750,000 people and 15,000 cities um, in this game. <laughs> is there even a 15,000 cities quest? is beyond belief. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. And this is why this game suffered, was because it was so monotonous and dull. Everyone told you the same thing. You'd see the same exact people across the world. It didn't matter what you did, because after a while, you know, you'd see the 16 different dungeon tile sets, and after that, it would just be like, alright, um, you know, go go do stuff, because it's Daggerfall, and they don't even tell you what the main story is. Um, Thanks to the joy of Wikipedia, here, I've got just what you were talking about. It says that, uh, Daggerfall is the, it's the largest Elder Scrolls game, approximately sixty-two thousand square miles, as opposed to Morrowind, which was six square miles. Oh, and so it's even less than that. Oblivion is sixteen square miles. So if you thought the world of Oblivion was huge, <laughs> holy crap, that is insane. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I guess it, I see what you mean. It would be a big detriment at the same time that level of detail. You could and again, play the bugs. You know, the bugs. Um, there was a bug that basically you you got this letter that was uh, uh, um, important to the main quest, and you would have to travel across the world to get to it. But if you fast traveled to that part of the to to that city while holding the thing, the game would crash. So you had to walk there, and that could take, like, nine <laughs> hours. Like, real time, nine hours uh, of walking and watching out for wolves. and It's terrible. 
This makes a whole lot of it makes a whole lot of sense because how could you test something like this and you know not spend four years just in QA? And it totally makes sense the fast travel thing that they've added into these games, assuming it was in Daggerfall. It was okay. Well, no wonder because if you're going to travel around (laughs) something the size of a small country instead of you know. I guess a small. See, I or I don't think Morrowind had fast travel. Not not in the same way Oblivion and Fallout did, where you could click on the map and be there. Right? It didn't. They brought that back from Daggerfall. Okay, so, uh, so which was a source of complaint for a lot of people in Oblivion. They were yeah. like, "This breaks the realism and yar, and you know, if you give me something, I have to use it because I have no self control." Um, but I mean, Daggerfall was developed in two years. You know. They turned it around really quickly, and it was full of holes, but there was also also a lot of really good ideas. That The reason Morrowind is what it is, I think, is because of Daggerfall. Uh, because th- that's when they introduced the, 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 the skill system, you know, where, where you level skills, and depending on what skills you level, your stats go up. Um, and that's where they introduced the fast travel. That's where they, they kind of, na- like, they understood that they were trying to do this massive thing. They just kind of overdid it because the technology for procedural regeneration was kind of peaking at this point. And so from like, the way you thought- talk, like, gameplay was pretty much the same in Arena and Daggerfall? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, uh, you move around with with your arrow keys, and then your mouse, you, you would left-click it, and depending how you moved it, like if you moved it uh, vertically straight up, it would do a, a stab. If you moved it, like, side to side, it would do a slash. Uh, and then you'd click on spells to use them. Um, so what was the story in these games? And just so you know, we do full spoilers on backtracks, so don't hold back. Like, what uh, was the story about? Well, okay, in Arena, it was really, really... Cliche. Um, some dude possesses uh, Emperor Uriel Septim II or whatever and sends him to what you later find out is Oblivion. Um, oh. And that is the one tie that Arena has to Oblivion. <laughs> is that there's a book called The Real Baron Zaya. And then you find out that the dimension that he gets sent away to is Oblivion. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> no. At so least there I is a tie. At least there is a tie in, you know. <laughs> But, sure. uh, and then, um, you wake up and, and, and the king had a servant, and the guy that possessed the king kills her, but, you know, her spirit lives on or whatever, and she comes to you and tells you how to get out of this prison that you're in for no reason. Um, and, you know, if you get out of that part, which is incredibly difficult, uh, you start is, getting these dreams. Is this the beginning of the game? Like, <laughs> this is the beginning of the game. Right. Uh, and then you get these dreams and, um, they tell you where the eight pieces of the Staff of Chaos are. And then you go around, and every time you find one, they'll give you more quests, and then you put it together, and then you fight uh, Jagor Tharn, which is the name of the dude. Um, and he dies, and Ural Septim comes back. That is Arena. Wow. Now I don't it's... have to play it. That's awesome. So wait, so you just told the plot, like 90% of it was the intro. So it is like a good old-fashioned RPG back in the day, or even video game back in the day, where the whole plot was the beginning. And then yeah. you just go dungeon crawl, and nothing really happens until you get to the final boss, and then you see the Well, and you have, you know, you have guilds that you can get into. You have side quests. It's just, like I said, so much of it was side quests based around a gladiator game. The was side quests kind of... Was it interesting side quests? Like, Fallout 3 had great side quests and oblivion. Oh, no, I mean, they, they've or... gotten a lot better at it. Uh, so it was, was any... more like... Hmm? So part of the direction I'm going with this is, was there anywhere in the plot or start qu- uh, side quests or NPCs, any, like, 
memorable moments? I mean, did Arena have anything about the game besides some good ideas poorly implemented? I mean, or or even that was there any of the you know decision making stuff that you know good evil sides that you can take? Not, but, I mean, you could break into houses and then the guard. But the thing is, if the guards caught, you could just kill the guards. Um, not really. Uh, most of the quests were this: Hey, there's a insert item here in the dungeon. Insert location here. I wish I had it. And then you'd go and grab it. And it <laughs> like, oh wow, I am so grateful. Um, and you do so that. Really, it's like every JRPG. Or in any MMO that's ever been created. So that that was Arena. And, I mean, Daggerfall isn't... Uh, it's not a whole lot different. I mean, they they, they, they do kind of... Because uh, they, they had multiple endings. Um... So, so they do kind of like really invest. I mean, was it was it multiple endings like the way Wizardry would, where it all came down to the decision you made in the last five minutes of a forty-hour? No, I had six game? endings, and they were all vastly different. Like in one, um, so, so the, the the god of death and destruction, whatever his name was, would like get his heart back and come back to the world. And then there was another one where you know the the the, the empire would unite under one banner and be happy. And, I mean, it, it had some variety. They put a lot more work into the main uh, story, which... So, were there set towns with set people in them? You said that the whole game was randomly generated. Were there some set well, things no, that were Well, no, most worked? of the game, except for, like, very, very story-relevant stuff. Because when you have 15,000 cities and, like, 20 of them are, are, are tailored by <laughs> hand, um, you know, it's hard to say, yeah, most of them were. No, like, it was yeah. very... Uh, and, I mean, this is all taking place in different places in Tamriel. Um which is the, you know, Over. Uh, Elder, yeah, Elder Scrolls setting. Okay. Yeah, well, like, I, my impression was Daggerfall took place on the whole world, pretty much, and then Morrowind was, no. like, a tiny island in a tiny island on the side of the no. world. Um, this takes place in High Rock, which is where the Bretons come from. Uh, Morrowind takes place in, in Viviriel. Uh, Oblivion takes place... Oh, God, this is really... Cyrodiil. <laughs> yeah, Cyrodiil. And then Arena takes place in some other place, which I really don't care about. I, it, it, it's all part of the same, but, I mean, you never... You haven't played two games in the same area yet. Um, Which, I don't know. They're probably going to have to retcon Daggerfall. Yeah, Why? Because it's too huge? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you justify 15,000 cities and 750,000 people? <laughs> That is interesting. I'm looking Randomly at the, generated. you know, if you go to elderscrolls.com, you can go to the codex and see the world map, and it shows all the different places, like Cyrodiil's right in the center. Yeah. Morrowind is in the top, you know, right side of the map, uh, the east side. Hammerfell, High Rock, Somerset Isle. They've got a lot they could do with this. Uh, well, I remember when I got Morrowind, they were really clear about where it was in the world in relation to wherever Daggerfall had taken place, and they emphasized how very, very tiny the place was compared to Daggerfall's place. And they meant it. It's cool, yeah. though, because they did a, good, a really weird thing. Because I mean, you have these six different endings, right? And they all kind of do very different things. And what they did for Morrowind, it was, I mean, they obviously wanted a clean slate. So they said, okay, you know those six things that, hap- that could possibly happen in Daggerfall? Well, you went into, like, this weird time-space continuum when you went into the spirit world <laughs> to get the last piece of whatever. So they all happened. And they do. Uh, you know, the kingdom of the orcs is created, the, the king of destruction gets his heart back, the empire is united, yada, yada, yada. Um, That's one way to retcon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, 
It Everything happened. <laughs> well, yeah, and they also they also retconned that they, they said that Arena was the name for for the area because of all the infighting that was going on. Uh, you know, I mean, this isn't new to them. They, they're like, oh, that was a bad idea. We'll just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, Daggerfall also like you could become a werebore. Um, <laughs> and you, you <laughs> really, know. yeah. Well, now I'm totally gonna have to. That's not it. the only thing about the game that was a bore. Oh. <laughs> They used to call it Buggerfall. Oh! Um, um, you could become a vampire werewolf. A lot of the ideas that you see really expounded upon in, in Morrowind started in Daggerfall as really sloppily. It's really weird because they nailed it with Arena and they just needed to get it, you know, tighter and more interesting. But with Daggerfall, it seems like they just went off the deep end in a completely different direction. It really seems like they just had somebody that was like, you know, Arena was awesome. Let's make it five billion times bigger. (laughs) And (laughs) all we can do is just copy and paste everything like a big, you know, huge game and it'll be so awesome. And, you know, while it might have been, was, you know, the six storylines that you said or the six endings that the game had, Mm -hmm. did, you know, could you really keep track of them? I mean, could you rush through the endings? I mean, you, you could rush through the main story. I think this has been through, through, true for every single Bethesda RPG, is that the main storyline really isn't the bulk of it. Um, like, you know, you could finish Fallout 3 in like three hours. You could finish Oblivion in a couple of hours. Uh, and it was very much the same here. I mean, it, it had... A, it was obvious where it branched off to different paths, so, so, so you could be like, okay, I want to help the orcs and I'm going to, you know, help Gort Warg and <laughs> build Orsinium. Um, and then that would lead to, to an ending. Right. And then that was how, I guess, uh, you know, Mac, uh, you didn't play many of the older Western RPGs. I didn't either, but that's kind of how the ones I played all were. That there'd be clear factions and you would be clearly aligning with one. And then that would yeah. kind of set you down a path that would obviously alter the rest of the game, right. what was open to you. And it had a, a much more of a clear, um, you know, moral spectrum where you could be, you know, openly a good or openly evil. Or, I mean, that's that's kind of where this started. Um, you know, that the, there was the Assassin's Guild, there was the Mage's Guild, the Fighter's Guild, the Knight's uh, Guild. And, uh, I mean, this is them kind of, you know, fumbling with the bra of what Morrowind, Morrowind was going to become. You know, they're, they're exploring, they're trying things out. Um, but the game itself is not... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know people that have spent hundreds of hours playing Daggerfall, and you uh, know, say so. And that sucks for them. Um, <laughs> well, I know but, people who spend hundreds of hours playing Final Fantasy XI. Yeah, so <laughs> you know that doesn't speak for how good of a game it is. Uh, but I, I think that certain—I mean, it just takes a certain mentality. Like, if you're a fan of roguelikes, if you're a fan of you know j- j- just the challenge of doing a dungeon in a different way every time. Um, you know, th- this could be a game that you dig, and I, of course it's free on, on Bethesda's side, so there's no reason not to try it, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, except your own sanity and good taste. You'll um, say, when, when Bethesda first put it up, I remember you specifically warning me not to try it because of how <laughs> horrible it was. Because yeah. I asked you if it aged well. I was like, is this something I can download and play today and enjoy? Kind of like, like Diablo 1, I can still have fun with. Yeah. Fallout. I can still have fun with. I was like, it's like those? Too, and you're like, or... no. No, 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 no. Go away, Glenn. Don't try it. <laughs> I, okay. I, 
That's because I care for you as a friend. Um. <laughs> but our listeners, who you don't care about, should try this Yeah, they could play, and I'll give it a shot, you know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so those are, you know, the first two that not a lot of people played, and I guess with only one of us having played this on the podcast. It and it actually shows. had two expansions. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Daggerfall? that's where they, they introduced, yeah, Daggerfall. That's where they introduced the Red Guards, uh, which are the dark-skinned warriors of old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and think Red Guard has a separate game that Bethesda made, like a spin-off. I don't know if it's... Uh, or, or it, it, maybe you're right, I just, I'm just going off old memory. Uh, no, the, the, these are not games I have played. I played Daggerfall. I have not played Battlespire or Red Guard. It, so this is not from what I'm seeing, um, they were originally designed as expansion packs, but they actually became kind of their oh, own okay. thing. Battlespire so, and Red Guard. So there's four I guess. <laughs> really bad I Elder Scrolls games. <laughs> if I'm wrong, you know, blame Wikipedia. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, that leads us cleanly into Morrowind. Morrowind. Uh, Mac, have you played Morrowind? Not yet. I actually just ordered a copy uh, for PC, found one really cheap. Oh, yeah, and I figured, hey, uh, or see how well not for PC, for Xbox, really cheap, and it's you know forward compatible with the 360, or 360's backwards compatible with it, whatever you call it. So I'm going to give that a shot, and I may like it. Is this the Game of the Year one? I believe so. Okay, because that has the expansions in it. I think that's the only way they sell it now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give that one a shot. But what about Morrowind? Glenn, you played this one. Uh, I guess this was your first take into the Elder Scrolls. Yeah. So for, to understand how much I wanted to play this game, when Morrowind came out, it was right about the time my laptop couldn't play new video games anymore, and I wanted to play it so, yeah, this is like, uh, well, it came out in 2003, I think, so uh, I got a laptop in 2000, and this was before they would even put graphics cards in them, so I mean, I, I couldn't play it on my laptop, so this is when I was just transitioning back to console games, and I was home for the summer, and while I was working two jobs to pay for the next year of college, in my spare time... I would get on my annoying brother, who I didn't get along with, his computer, when he wasn't around, and that's how I played Morrowind. So I would wait for my brother to leave his room, run in there really quick, play Morrowind as much as possible, until he came back and kicked me off his computer. And this was around me working about 80 hours a week between two jobs. <laughs> so I didn't finish Morrowind, but that's not an insult to Morrowind at all. I, I got so burnt out by the end of the summer that I just kind of, when I had spare time, would lie on the floor and stare at the ceiling until I fell asleep every day, every night. And so I didn't finish Morrowind, but uh, I got really close to the end. And I played it for a long time. I did a lot of side quests. So, I mean, that's that's kind of, that's how much I was looking forward to it. And it was like I said earlier, too, that I'd never heard of Bethesda before. I'd never heard of Elder Scrolls before. It was just this game had so much hype. This is around the time, too, that my favorite Western RPG companies were kind of going bankrupt or about to go bankrupt. And I was under the impression, I don't know if it's correct or not, so the views, the opinions of Glenn do not represent the opinions of RPG Gamer. <laughs> but I was under the impression at the time that Bethesda was handed lots of money by Microsoft to make it for the Xbox. And I was kind of bitter at the time because, like, Surtech had just kind of gone down computer gaming world. Whatever made it Might and Magic, they had just gone down after eight, after nine bombed. So like, yeah. and Troika was heading down in flames. So like, these RPG companies that I cared about were all going down. And then this one I'd never heard of was paid by Microsoft to make an Xbox version of a series that I'd never heard of before. And it was just so <laughs> hyped that it was kind of like I was resent I was resentful, but then I really want to play the game too. Like, how great will this game be if Microsoft let all these other companies die and then bought this one <laughs> to make Xbox games? <laughs> 
Is that correct yeah. at all? Did you guys hear that? No. I, I, I felt, you know, I mean, it was like, yeah, I remember Troika dying, and I remember all these, all these you know, the, the, the whole deal with Interplay getting sued by BioWare. Yeah, yeah. Interplay was going down, too. Black Isle was died right about this time. Yeah. Luckily, they went off to, to make great, great things. <laughs> A lot of them went off to Obsidian, didn't they? Yeah. We're waiting for Alpha Protocol to see if we like Obsidian or not, though. Yeah, but <laughs> see they never Winter Nights too, and Knights of the Old Republic too. Let's see if they can uh, do something original. No. Alpha Protocol must be pretty good. I don't know. Knights yeah. of the Old Republic two, from what I heard, isn't backwards compatible. It's buggy on the 360. It oh. might work, but it's buggy. I'm PC dude. So. <laughs> Let, let's kind of uh, tackle uh, Morrowind and Moral. Oblivion yeah. together because. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, my first experience with Bethesda was with Fallout 3, and I guess uh, Jonathan would be able to say the same. You played Fallout 3 as well, right? Yep. And um, all of us, you know, folks just kind of jumped in there, and what what did you most enjoy about the world of, uh, I'm not wanting to really talk about Fallout 3, but what did you enjoy about the world of Fallout 3 and the style of game that it was? Because that's kind of what drew me into Bethesda. What about you, Jonathan? What you, what really drew you into Fallout 3 that, you know, at least made you a fan of that game? Uh, I'm not really sure exactly. Didn't have much else to do. <laughs> Heard it was pretty good. <laughs> Bought it. Maybe nothing. Well, I, I knew about the... It really wasn't necessarily Bethesda in as much as the, um, the really black humor that I know is associated with the Fallout franchise, and I didn't really figure I could go wrong there, so... Okay. Well, what got me is I really enjoyed just, you know, I guess the style of play really drew me in, and the fact you had all these options that you could do. It wasn't just your standard, straightforward, uh, follow this linear path like I'd been used to in the Final Fantasy series and all the other JRPGs that I've, you know, been playing forever and ever and ever. So after finishing Fallout 3... I had actually picked up Oblivion long ago and had tried it for a little while and was like, I don't like Western RPGs. I hate them. I will not play this. And then for some reason, Fallout 3, you know, landed in my lap and I played it and loved it and decided to go back and play Oblivion. And I'm kind of working backwards, unlike you all. And it's really, really got to me because, I mean, I just recently finished Oblivion, like last week, and I say finished because I, I completed the main storyline. I've nowhere near finished the game and want to go back just like I did Fallout 3. And that's the one thing that drew me to it is the fact that when I was playing Fallout 3, I was like, man, I enjoy this game, and oh my goodness, I finished the main storyline, and I still want to play. And I feel that same draw with Oblivion, and, you know, it's different. And I blame, you know, Glenn and Victor for this because, you know, <laughs> you all have gotten me to where I can, you know, I'm having a harder time playing JRPGs now and, and wanting Woo. to play more Western RPGs. So, you know, we try. I, don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, you know, having played Mass Effect recently for the first time and Oblivion and now wanting to play Witcher. other stuff. I'm going to have to try The Witcher. I'm sad the console version was canceled because I still, oh, yeah, still haven't converted here. You still haven't converted me to a PC guy yet, but oh, you'll be okay. you'll be working on it. Oh, Mac, you know I bought a PC last week. The, the Did first you? PC, yeah, I've never bought a PC in my life. I bought one last week. It should be getting shipped this week. Nice. Oh, awesome. So I'm going to have to buy The Witcher now, and, and so on and so forth. Very cool. Yeah. 
So and Freedom Force. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. It sounds terrible. Oh, Freedom yeah. Force is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I know. You, you yeah. talked about it on an RPG cast I was oh. on. What was yeah. that, Jonathan? Freedom Force is a great about... game. That's a really great yeah. game. Yeah. Really, and the sequel, the, the, the Third Reich, something or other. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> you can probably get it pretty cheap now, actually. It was like uh, Good Old Games had it on sale, like $1 off the week I was on a podcast with Victor. Victor was trying to tell everyone to buy it, like, save a dollar. It's a dollar off. It's <laughs> no, a no, no, no. Steam had it for four ninety eight. Oh, it's so yeah, worth four ninety eight. Like, <laughs> it was like six bucks. Five ninety eight. <laughs> it was six ninety nine. Exactly. It was like two fifty at least. That's a thirty <laughs> percent. You don't know what you could do with two fifty. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, uh, but Morrowind. Um, yes. Morrowind, Morrowind was. Morrowind introduced a lot of things. One, I think the biggest thing that, that made Morrowind as, as, as popular and as, um, and gave it the longevity that it has is the SDK. Um, because Morrowind today can look like oblivion. Thanks and to like, what does SDK stand for? Uh, something <laughs> development kit. Standard, isn't it? Standard, standard development kit. Sorry, I'm yeah. gonna, I know you and your abbreviations. Software development. <laughs> Yeah, yes, what, what Jonathan said. Software. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I believe right, and I mean, it's essentially, for, for anybody who doesn't know, it's uh, a set of tools that you're handed by the company that lets you create anything in the game, uh, whether it be quests or entire campaigns or buildings or weapons or whatever, uh, and import them and share them with people. And I mean, a, hu- a huge community has sprung up around um, Elder Scrolls in general, but more ones specifically. Um, it's been out longer. I would imagine it would have more of a foundation. So yeah, and I mean the people have stuck around. I mean you can download mods now that replace the entire world. There's one that 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 creates <laughs> world reminiscent of Dune. It's a new it, game. Oh yeah, you, you know you have a raptor and you. I mean it's crazy. Um, and I think that it has a lot to do with um them building this world, but acknowledging that if they make it randomly generated, it's going to be monotonous. So if they give players the chance to make the content, it's going to have a lot of flavor and a lot of, you know, that that, that kind of campy indie vibe to it. And, you know, it, it's it's my favorite part of Morrowind and Oblivion, is that you can mod them to do cool stuff. Well, this is something I want to know, and since you, you know, kind of going back to... Arena and Daggerfall, I've, I've, like I said, I've worked my way backwards. And when I was playing Fallout 3 and people said, oh, it's going to be Oblivion with guns. And then people said, no, Oblivion is Fallout without guns. And um, I've noticed, you know, you've got a really, really similar play style. The combat system is so similar. Your interactions mm-hmm. are so similar. Does that work back to Morrowind and Daggerfall and Arena? I guess Daggerfall and Arena would be a little less. But when did that start? When did it, you know, I can see a whole lot of you know, Fallout 3 and Oblivion similarities. Does Morrowind have the same, Daggerfall, Arena, in I terms would, of gameplay? I, I would say the opposite. I would say that from the ones I played, Morrowind and Oblivion are very similar, and Oblivion and Fallout 3 are not as similar. Okay. I, I would say so that... this is coming from someone that's just played Oblivion and Fallout 3, so I can see similarities there. I'm not saying they're identical or Morrowind is even... Like Morrowind is just a... S- Slightly more flawed. I mean, probably depending on who you ask, but slightly more flawed version of Oblivion. Oblivion and Morrowind were really similar. It was just more the same. It was like Persona 3 to Persona 4, only Persona 4 probably had even more differences than Oblivion had over Morrowind. Okay, so if, I go, kinda... back and, if I go back and play Morrowind, having just played Oblivion, there will be some things I may not like 
some things I may like better. It, yeah, I mean, you're doing it, yeah. I mean, this thing about doing it backwards is when you play the better version and then you try to go back <laughs> to play the inferior one and then, I mean, I mean, I, I can talk more at length about it because I, I did have a lot of thoughts on, on Morrowind, but yeah, go ahead. one of the, I mean, something I've known Victor's talked about before is when you have the development kit out there and with the patches that were released and then users saying, I didn't like this about Morrowind, I'm going to make my own patch that fixes it. So if you go now and download enough major user patches, they fixed up Morrowind. I mean, you yeah. can play Morrowind and have it be just like Oblivion, only in a different world with different quests. Or be I mean, like something completely different. Uh, you can change the battle system in one of 40 different ways. You can add new guilds. You can have companions. You could have, you know, I mean, anything. Didn't Which you right. tell me? I, mean, I mean, for Mac, looking at the, the tiny differences between them, I mean, one of the things that really annoyed me about the game was that these stupid bird enemies that, like, can see you from miles away. And, like, you're just walking down the path, and then all of a sudden these birds are attacking you from overhead. The and they're hard to hit. <laughs> I mean, they, I know early in the game they did way too much damage. I, like, died to birds, like, a couple <laughs> times. They, okay, to be fair, they're not birds. They were, like, undead pterodactyls. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it kind of kills the impact when just, you say I that, know, you know. I dying to a sparrow it. is a lot more... Damaging than dying to an undead pterodactyl. <laughs> All I know is they were, I don't remember they were called, these stupid birds. So, I mean, that was my biggest problem with the game. And also, I mean, one big difference that I liked in Morrowind, and I know we, we've talked about this before, you know, now on the backtrack, but one of the things I really liked about Morrowind was the sense of exploration was much better in Morrowind over Oblivion, I thought. Like, Oblivion was very, it watered down the quest interface, so that if you went and talked to someone and they said, go kill this vampire, like, you know, you'd have it marked on your map. It'd be this giant red dot. You just head straight yeah. there. There's a vampire there, and you kill him. But in Morrowind, they didn't have the compass. I, the quest compass is what I'm talking about. They didn't have it yeah. in Morrowind. The thing no, that I love the, about Fallout 3 and Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know what other quest for RPGs. I, I completely understand why they did it, but I kind of wish there was an option. Play the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I wish and I mean, you can mod that out, too. Uh, you yeah. know... I, I think let, let me let me throw a point out there and see, see see if I'm making any sense. I think that in Morrowind they just they were so I mean after Daggerfall I think they tried very carefully to craft as much of the world as possible. Something yeah. that they they did did again in Fallout. But Oblivion was two and a half times the size of Morrowind. So I think it just came with the territory of you know. Uh, one, being able to fast travel, so there was a lot of the world that you just didn't see because you were like, I don't feel like walking or yeah, riding my yeah. horse with the awkward controls. Um, <laughs> Actually, yeah, I never used a horse in Oblivion, but... Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah, it sounds like that's just me. As far as Morrowind goes, how, you know, you say exploration's the good part, and that's one thing that I didn't do as much of in Oblivion as I did in Fallout 3 is I didn't feel like exploring near as much in that game. Oh, because, really? Yeah, bec- mainly because... You know, you could see the towns on the map and the things that I did run across. It almost seemed like there was more that I wanted, more than I wanted to explore. You know, I kind of love the barren landscape of Fallout 3, and running across something was a treat. You know, right. well, no, I'm, I'm actually, I did, I was the exact same way. I explored a lot more in Morrowind and Fallout 3 than I did in Oblivion. Because in Oblivion, you'd explore, and it was kind of like, it was almost like what Victor was saying about Daggerfall. I mean, I know it wasn't randomly generated, but everything kind of looked the same. And there were only, you know, five or six different kinds of dungeons, and they all kind of looked the same. I mean, they weren't... Every item was placed, every dungeon was pre-planned, but 
mean, it was just, there was really never a point. You know, you would explore somewhere and it'd be a forest. And then in the forest would be a cave. And you're like, oh, cool, a cave. And you go in and it'd just be another cave. You know, in Fallout 3, you would explore and you'd find stuff. I mean, you would see, I mean, it was kind of part of the, the dark setting too that, uh, that Jonathan mentioned was, you know, it might be like an old theater and, you know, for something straight out of the 50s, like a drive-in. But then there'd be like raiders there. And then like you go into the raiders hide, raiders hideout and there's a lot of raiders and you go far enough and you find like, um, mutated bears, and you'll see, like, where the raiders and the bears have been fighting. I mean, I guess, like, there there were rewards to exploring, and maybe you'd find that in that one place, and there'd be nothing else like that anywhere yeah. else. And you'd like, find cities of raiders, and maybe they yeah. had the super behemoth, that they, or super mutant that they had in there, and, you know, you could let the mutant loose and have it run around and kill all the raiders. I mean, it was... There were, there were rewards to exploring in Fallout 3, and I feel it wasn't quite that powerful, but Morrowind was the same way. There were no, more Morrowind games. had some epic scenes, yeah. I mean, like Morrowind when you go had... into this one cave and, you know, it, it opens up into this massive underground cavern where there's actually a fortress inside that has full of dwarven artifacts, and it's just like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Mor- I mean, Morrowind had a lot more rewards, and like you said, it was a lot more into the, the dwarven thing where you could find all these, what do they call it, Dwemer? Was that the name for it? Yeah, Dwemer. Dwemer. Yeah, so you could find all these, you know, Dwemer ruins and artifacts right underneath the areas that you'd been walking over and never thought much of. Yeah. And, and Oblivion didn't have that. Oblivion didn't have that. And it falls into the quest, too, where I was starting to say where, you know, I didn't like the compass. And Morrowind, someone would give you a quest, and they would say, you know, head south of the town, you'll see a forest. Head into the forest you see... Exactly. I mean, they'd give you these directions. I just, it mm-hmm. felt like this real world that you were okay. exploring. Like, so I mean, there's, it, there's one point the, that I need to know that you can sell me on this now. Yeah. I know that it doesn't have the compass detector, but does it give you the quest log that gives you those exact directions? Because that's the one thing I hate when I'm like, oh, you told me to do that, but I forgot what in the world you said because I was playing five days ago. No, yeah, the journal fills in like 17 pages for every quest, so yeah. Okay, so I can go back and check at any time that I'm supposed to go south of the town, through the forest, and find this. Right, and pass the second rock on the right I don't side. mind that. I don't mind that kind of stuff. So I guess I don't want to be too spoilery for you since you're about to play the game, but one of the most like awesome moments in that game came at a point where, in a pretty large city, someone gave me directions within the city of where to go. Where it would be, I mean, I'm making this up, but it would be like, go to like you know where they throw their garbage, head down a few levels into this basement. And it was like this place that you'd walk past a hundred times in the game, but when you followed these directions, it was like the entrance to an underground organization. And it was yeah. just so cool. That, like this place that I'd walked by so many times, and then someone gives you these specific directions that I could have done at any point earlier and just never had, even though I was exploring a lot. And like you find this whole area under there that you didn't know was there. And a lot of quests just had those really cool moments where a rock that you'd pass by so many times and it meant nothing, and then someone just tells you to walk around it, and there's like an entrance to to an underground there, and and there are just so many things like that. And what you're talking about, um, Mac, with the directions being the quest log, the only problems I ran into in the game were the the directions weren't always detailed. Like I remember right. one of the last quests I was kind of stuck on sent me to a cemetery of some sort, where I was supposed to find a vampire in a tomb, but the mm-hmm. problem was there were like a hundred tombs. <laughs> so like ghosts <laughs> like and they told me the name of it, but I had to go walk up to the door of every damn tomb to see if it was the right tomb. And oh. I kept thinking like I'm gonna pass it. I'm gonna pass it and not realize I passed it and go immersion. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, not, you say that and you speak cynical, but I loved that. I love that no, immersion. I, 
Let, let, let me offer a counterpoint, because for me, oblivion exploration was one of the coolest things I could do. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think that one of my favorite things to do in oblivion is to get a bow, get a bunch of arrows, and run around and hunt deer. <laughs> or, 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 like, I remember this, I, and this just sticks out in my mind. I have a few mods, so if I'm doing anything crazy, <laughs> it's probably the mods working in there. But I remember I was running around this hillside, and I looked down, and near the water I see a light. And I was like, what is that, you know? So I start sneaking up, and I see that there's this, uh, this little encampment with, like, two raiders, and one of them is sitting down, the other one is, like, running around being an idiot. And, you know, just sneaking in and doing the whole stealth thing. And I have uh, Deadly Reflexes, which is Oblivion mod, which lets you decapitate people and do backflips and stuff. Um, so it was just <laughs> this really... It's a big Yeah, just raiding suits and taking, like, their awesome armor and just feeling like a badass sleeping in their bed, waking up, a deer shows up, I fireball them into the river. You know, I mean, it's just... I think Oblivion is much more of a toy. Um, you make your fun, and I mean, they give you a big enough playground to do that in. Um, but then again, I mean, I, I played Oblivion, I beat it once, and I immediately got into the mod scene. So I, I think that may have a lot to do with how I experience it. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah. about Morrowind, was it very similar in terms of the way it's broken down? I know with Oblivion, you've got the main storyline that you can take. You've got other little side quests you can do from time to time, and you've also got, you know, the Fighter's Guild, the, the Mage's Guild. Right. Dark Brotherhood, the Thieves Guild that you can go through, which are a whole lot more interesting than the main quest. Yeah, the, the Dark Brotherhood is the best part of Oblivion, isn't it? I'm yes. gonna. Have, that's the one that I'm going back to do now. That's what I'm. Yeah. Looking at. <laughs> that is the so, best part the of Oblivion. Like, the, well, the talk about talk about sequentially uh, in Morrowind, there were guilds like that. But I think there are also political factions. There are houses on the island, yeah, you and you would kind of align with one house. That I think once you aligned with one house, you couldn't. I mean, there might have been a way to break out and try another one, but once you aligned with one house, the other house's quests went away. Yeah, yeah, they actually locked you out of a lot of stuff. But you could also go so far in each of the guilds, which was true in Oblivion, but Oblivion let you go a lot farther with it. Um, but let's say you were in the Fighters Guild. After you got to a certain rank, like the Thieves Guild wouldn't accept you anymore. Uh, and if you were already part of the Thieves Guild, they just wouldn't give you any more quests. So you really had to pick your sides, and like it, it added another level to how your character, you know, developed. Because it's like, you know, I'm in the fighter skill, you know, I'm not a thief, I'm not a mage. Um, but but uh, but one one thing, Mac, that I liked that Morrowind did was I think Morrowind had one of the best story progressions, definitely of the Bethesda games for the main plot, and really? maybe maybe one of the best story progressions in a Western RPG. It was just it was very subtle, and. Yeah. Like like the old Western RPGs used to do, a lot of it was optional. You know, if you didn't explore certain things, exploring would give you lore background on the world as well. You weren't just finding interesting things and new weapons. You were, you would find books. I mean, I, I did a Wikipedia a bit before we started, and it was talking about how someone tried to... If you put all the words from Morrowind down in a book, it would be like the size of six novels... They said yeah. that it had about as much text as Planescape Torment, which had an obscene amount of text. So, I mean, wow. Morrowind had all these books in the game. Like, the thing that Wikipedia said 300 books. So, like, 300 books in the game you could find, and each of these books was lengthy, and you could just read nothing but lore, background on the game, background on you. Your character was a kind of a, a, a messiah figure, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could read the background of the religion that you 
end up being part of in the main quest. You can read yeah. the background of the guilds on the the history of the island, on the houses, and there's just and some of it was you know useless, interesting information, but a lot yeah. of it did have to t- did tie into the main quest. And I thought that way of storytelling was just so so subtle and so well done. And some of the main story events were a lot more interesting in Morrowind than in Oblivion or Fallout 3 for me. Like, one of them has you going to, like, a, there's, like, a, a place where all these diseased people go, and you're, like, you're walking around surrounded by, like, mutated, diseased, rotting people looking for this <laughs> one specific person to talk to. And, yeah. I mean, I just, I thought that moment was neat because, you know, in a normal game, you'd be fighting these people along the way, but you can kind of, like, you know, they don't think you're bad if you don't get close to them. I don't remember the details, but I mean, just the, the main quest had neat little things like that. And you end up, they end up giving you a lot of tasks to do, but rather than it being linear at all, which I mean, Oblivion was linear and straightforward, and Fallout 3's main quest was, in Morrowind, you'd be given a list of tasks. You need to complete them eventually. You can kind of do it in any order you want. They kind of end up taking you around the world, so that it encourages you to find side quests that way. But it wasn't linear at all until you reached, like, certain bottlenecks. And I, I liked that way of telling the story, too. And there wasn't that sense of urgency that I kind of liked. The Fallout 3 felt weird because there was, like, a big sense of urgency, and you can just ignore it. You know, Oblivion had a sense of urgency because <laughs> demons are being crapped out of the sky all over the place. But other than that, you could just let the demons in theory, take over the world while you do your silly side quests. And no oh, yeah. That's the collect one, books. And <laughs> that's the one thing I've loved is, you know, there's the quest in Oblivion where you're supposed to get aid for the town of Bruma. And yeah. they keep saying, you know, go and find these places. And you go to all these towns, and they're all every one of them has an Oblivion gate in front of them. They're like, well, we'd help you out if it wasn't for this Oblivion gate. And you're like, okay, screw you, I'm leaving. And, you know, they never die. Nothing ever happens to them. They're just attacked more and more by the oblivion monsters that come out. So you could just go and do whatever you want to. You could go and, you know, swim around for days on end and come back and they're still ever bit as tormented as they were before. There was no urgency to it. Yeah. So uh, the main reason why I want to replay Morrowind someday and finish it this time is just to see if that story progression was as good as I remember it. Because I remember it as just being one of my favorite subtle stories in any mm-hmm. video game. That just didn't and, throw it in your face. And I think it speaks to the roots of, you know, the entire Elder Scrolls series. I mean, the world of Tamriel was created by these guys because that was the game that they played GURPS in. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what they play Hero in. And I, I think that I, one of the reasons why it's so developed is because obviously, I mean, these guys are doing this on their free time. And I know how it is to build a world as far as being a DM goes, which is a big tangent. But, I mean, you think of all the details. You think of the, the political backstabbings, the, the intrigue, the drama, or whatever. And, I mean, you know, 300 books. I, I, I think that there's so much depth to this. And, I mean, even the skill-up books, you know? It'll tell you a neat little story that, you know, like, okay, I guess this helps me if I needed to raise my hand. Oh, hand I remember books. that. You're right. The skill-up books were actually, like, anecdotes or fables that you would read yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I uh, know that... Um... That was one thing that I wanted to touch on, too, was in Morrowind, is the leveling system similar to that of Oblivion? Because Oblivion, the leveling system, you level up by increasing your skills, and you increase your skills by performing your skills, and after increasing certain skills enough, you can go to bed, wake up, and ta-da, you're the next level. How is Morrowind in comparison? 
It's pretty much the same, isn't it? Yeah, it was the same. Morrowind does the oh, same. Victor, in Morrowind, you had to pick a class, right? In Oblivion, you could just pick your skills off the cuff. But didn't, uh, Mor- didn't Morrowind, you had to pick you, between you could, a preset? No, you, you could do all three. You could oh, okay. uh, get him to ask you the questions to do the very Ultima style, yeah. you know, like, oh, you're a moral person, you must be a knight. Uh, to me, that's an ogre battle style, style of doing things, but go ahead. Ooh, a <laughs> Japanese style. <laughs> uh, yeah, then there was, uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> then, then there was the, you know, uh, you can pick a class and here's a preset set of skills, or you could just pick your individual things. Okay. So, I mean, it's very similar. I mean, Oblivion is just Morrowind 2.0. Um, well, that's the one thing about Oblivion that I don't really remember is I picked my class and started my character so long ago. When I started up again, I had just escaped from the dungeons, and I didn't feel like going through that part again and the character creation again. So I don't really remember, you know, the character creation process in the least. I just remember, right. you know, designing my character and being like, oh, I like the way, you know, this character looks. Uh, I think I was a knight. I used mm. a sword. You know, other than that, I don't really remember much about all my options, and I imagine that I had a very limited experience with all the options that I could have had. It's it's not that the customization's not that awesome, and it has an issue that the game doesn't tell you how the level up system works right. until after you've picked that, and you kind of figure it out on your own. So I, th- I think it's a problem people had with Morrowind and Oblivion was the way the level up system worked, mainly in that it was weird. It wasn't explained, and you can yeah. really screw yourself over bad while playing. Yeah. Not, like not if you don't level, like if you don't level up your endurance early, you're gonna have low HP the entire game because it's not re- retroactive. Stuff like that, you know. Also, um, like if you if you make your skills non-combat skills, as you level up, your in- the enemies around you get stronger. So if you like level up by jumping a lot, and then all of a sudden instead of kittens, there are werewolves outside the tombs. You're screwed because your attack isn't any good. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember people complaining about that, too. So, I mean, you can't, just because it's not explained well. Mm-hmm. The way I have it set up right now is, again, with a mod, and essentially it gives you uh, a different um, fraction of a point for, for your skills every time your skill goes up. So if I train my melee a lot, you know, my strength will start going up. If I train athletics a lot, my... But but it's irrelevant if you're... Like, your level just goes up with skill up, but it doesn't give you attribute bonuses. Your attributes just come from your skills, which I think is a really clever way to do it. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think that everyone should have the experience of playing the vanilla Morrowind and Oblivion. I do. And if you have an Xbox, you don't have much of a choice. Yeah. Um, you mean if you don't have a computer, you don't have if much you don't have a computer. Yeah, if you don't have a computer. Not a <laughs> you choice. do actually have a very big choice if you have a computer, if you have a PC and an Xbox. Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, well, Matt, what do you think of the leveling system in, in Oblivion? Since you I, th- I thought it was absolutely, I thought, no, because uh, I kind of understood what to do. I don't know if I totally understood what to do to raise each thing or, mm-hmm. you know, the most effective way to do things because, you know, I would, break it down for you. <laughs> I, would, I would sneak around and my sneak would raise. I would, um, you know, I would try to pick locks and my security would go up. I would... Uh, you know, attack things with my sword and my blade would go up. I would cast healing magic and my restoration would go up. It made sense, but it didn't seem like I was doing things as efficiently as I could have. You just didn't plan it. I mean, you didn't say, today I will increase my jumping. And then you go, Well, yeah, and I would... (laughs) There was one point in the game that I went from the Cloud Ruler Temple all the way to the bottom, uh, like the southwest corner of the map, on foot, jumping the entire way. (laughs) 
And, you know, just to try to lay, raise my acrobatic skill doing that. And I was like, oh, oh, I'll just jump. And, you know, I looked at it later on and I just barely made a dent in the yeah. whole jumping process. And you know, the best way to raise your acrobatics is to fall off cliffs. I, I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I you fall off cliffs and you heal yourself so you can raise your acrobatics and your restoration together. Uh, well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you how it works. Essentially, uh, each skill is tied to a different attribute, right? Um, right. You, you know, your 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 pick locking. Let's say pick locking. No, actually, let's say uh, acrobatics, athletics, and whatever that has speed in it. So uh, essentially, you get 15 skill ups per level. Um, every skill up that's related to a skill will give you a plus one to your attribute at, at level up. So say if I wanted to get the maximum amount, I would just train three skills five times, and each of them to a different attribute. Oh, so I would get a plus five. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, that, but that's such an unnatural way to do it. Because let's say you're trying to train your alchemy, and you run up to a planet and like, your athletics went up, and it's like, damn it, you know? So And then that's how you can mess yourself up, too, is if you got to level up just by hitting your tagged skills, and you didn't really level up any other skills in the meanwhile, your stat gain for that level would be terrible. And meanwhile, you know, all the demon kittens become demon, you know, trolls, and they're beating you up now. So... So kind of back to your question on what I thought about the leveling system. It, it wasn't totally, you know, it wasn't like I was confused, but at the same time, since everything did scale with me, it didn't really seem to matter. Yeah, because, I, like I said, I went through the game and just kind of rushed the main quest just for the sake of completing it so I can go back later and do the other stuff, and was done in 14 hours and finished the game at level 4. And you finished the game at level four. <laughs> finished the game at level four. Did you did yeah. you contact so, Guinness and see what the record for <laughs> is? Well, it's, I mean, I had the I had the difficulty slider. Crazy between, talk. I had the difficulty slider somewhere between easy and medium, so it's not like I was just straight on normal mode. Oh, you can't. That so, won't count for the record book. No. But, you know, just for the sake of my frustration and the fact that, you know, I don't play these games because I'm the awesomest skill person in the world. I love the exploration aspect of it and, you know, yeah. just the whole dynamic character. You explored so much, you gained three levels over the course of the game. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, I went through, like, tons of Oblivion Gates. Did I did a little in... You just didn't kill life. anything, when you? Yeah, apparently not. But, you know... That's bad. I, I really didn't know that was like, possible. Yeah. yeah. It... it did make it a, a little more challenging at the end. Some of the last areas were a little uh, rougher. I think the very last Oblivion Gate, uh, the Great Gate fight that you have was a lot more challenging, I guess, at level 4 than it would be at level 20. Um, you know, and, and in stark contrast, you know, when I was playing Fallout 3, I was level 20, you know, in no time. So, yeah. well, Since we've transitioned on the, to Oblivion more, I played Oblivion when it first came out. I played it on the PC on a system that could barely run it. So I actually, it would, uh, my frame rate was not so great. I had someone watch me play it once and called it unplayable because he was one of those snobs who thinks five frames per second is too bad to play an action game. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That'd be a lot of people, I'd imagine. So uh, I played it for 120 hours. I beat it in 110 hours and then played for 10 more hours. And I was trying to do another guild but I got kicked out of the guild and didn't realize it and then saved the game. And then getting back into the Mages Guild is such a pain in the butt that I was done with, with Oblivion after that. Yeah. So my, my main complaint, I, oh, so I, I loved Oblivion. Excellent game. And I, in some ways, 
So, okay, I wrote that editorial recently where, where, you, where Mac, you said I was crazy because of the way the real world and video games <laughs> melt. Yeah, the fact that you, you pass through downtown D.C. and you just can't believe that it's truly in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I've watched Washington... Fallout 3 that I've watched, you know. <laughs> you DC. look at the Washington Monument and wonder why it's not in ruins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so I have I have that issue. Yes, yeah, no zombies. Especially in first-person <laughs> games, I have that issue. So when I was playing Oblivion, so you, you know, like, if you're on vacation or if you're away from home for a while, and then you get back home, in real life, not in Oblivion, and you kind of have that feeling like, oh, you're home, and just kind of like that relaxing, safe feeling when you get back home when you've been gone for a long time, mm-hmm. I would get that feeling in Oblivion when I would go into, like, my house in Oblivion. Yeah. It's like I'd be out killing things for a while, and I had one house that was my main base, just because I thought it had the coolest layout. Mm-hmm. So I would go, like when I would go back into that house in Oblivion, you know, me as the player, I would get that feeling like I arrived home. I would kind of have that, oh, like, good, I'm home after being away from home for so long, even though it was a video game. So like, Oblivion pulled me in that much, and that was that was more than Morrowind did in that sense, really. Mm-hmm. So. I gotcha. Well, my, see, I, never, main... I never even bought a house. I just kind of bummed in the Cloud Ruler Temple <laughs> the whole time. So. Was, for me, it was the house. You have, there was like one house you have to work for to get. There was like there was a ghost haunting it. You have to kill the ghost, and it was. There's it was... a bunch. You even get DLC like straight from Bethesda that has like a a, ma- a wizard's tower with like its own little garden where you can get like uh, farm oblivion or herbs and. <laughs> no, uh, there. Uh, I mean, I, I play this game. The week it came out and played it yeah. in three weeks, 120 hours in three weeks, and then so there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. See, I, <laughs> this, this just kind of speaks to the to the thing that I'm really enjoying more and more about Western RPGs is the fact that you can play them the way you want to play them. You know, in Fallout 3, yeah. I wanted to go through and do everything, and I wanted to do all this stuff and explore, and then in Oblivion, I wanted to kind of be the I need to save the day. I need to kind of hurry through. I'm not going to worry about my own gain trying to get a house. I just want to be this cool knight and, you know, I'll sleep in the blades, you know, in the little shack that the blades soldiers live in. And, you know, you can kind of play it the way you want to play it. I guess one problem I always have with these games is I have trouble being a bad guy. I know they give you all the options in the world and let you do bad things and (laughs) expect you to do it. But I have yeah. such trouble doing it, and that's why, you know, I'm really kind of enjoying jumping into the Dark Brotherhood quest, because it's kind of, you know, it forces you to, you know, in order to get in, <laughs> you have to kill somebody in cold blood, apparently, so yeah. I guess that kind of forces you into being a bad guy. Yeah. Well, you so all... the problem I had with Oblivion was that I thought it didn't give you enough freedom it, within the quests. So mm-hmm. kind of ironic, since at the time I didn't know... Bethesda was going to make Fallout 3. I played Oblivion and Fallout 2 back-to-back. It was at a time where I was doing shift work in the office and had not a lot to do in the office. So I was in the office, I would play Fallout 2 for a 12-hour shift, and then I'd get home and get a couple days off, and I would play Oblivion anytime I was awake. So I was playing them both at about the same time. And, like, when I played Oblivion and Fallout 2... You know, Fallout 2 is, I mean, it's like Fallout 3. I mean, you get a quest and you can pretty much do whatever you want. It's, it's what you just said, Mac, and what I think Victor has said too. You can do anything you want in the game. Like, one of the first towns you go into is this, like, depressing, uh, town full of drug addicts and slavers, and you just get the option right from the start on how you want to interact with these people. And in Oblivion, you didn't really have that. 
In Oblivion, yeah. if you picked up a Fighter's Guild side quest and it was protect someone, you're going to protect that person. You mm-hmm. didn't get an option to let the person die. You couldn't <laughs> kill the person. You couldn't pay the person to leave. You know, you couldn't, yeah. you, you know, when you... Or you're just you, going to clear the rats uh, out of yeah. their house, which yeah. actually turns out to be their pets and you're killing mountain lions. And- I mean, there were a couple small... I remember one side quest, you're supposed to, like, retrieve a book and you get the option to, like, sell it to someone instead. But then if you do that, which would be the evil thing, it's like it, it keeps you from getting the reward for that quest. I think I'm thinking about back and did Huh? Yeah, I, I think they, that, that, that the choice in Oblivion was a lot more in what you decided, like what quest you decided to take. Yeah, uh, so rather I, I like the exploration. It was definitely a big exploration game, but mm-hmm. I wish within the side quests there had been more leniency. And then that was something they fixed with Fallout 3. I mean, that was, that was going to be my concern with Fallout 3 was can Bethesda take what they've been doing, which is, you know, good storytelling, lots of exploration, lots of choice, but once you make that choice, it's rigid, and put that into a Fallout 1, Fallout 2 world where you can do whatever, and the quests are so open. And I felt like I was really surprised and happy that they, they did that with Fallout 3. It wasn't Elder Scrolls 5. You know, it was Fallout 3. Yeah, and going back a little bit to what Mac was saying, uh, I have a problem being good. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just be hanging out in, like, you know, I need to go to the jewelry shop to sell these these stones that I took from an evil goblin. And then, you know, it's like, oh, it's locked. I was like, hmm. And, you know, ten minutes later, I'm sneaking around, you know, stealing, pickpocketing him while he's sleeping, trying to get his keys so I can open up all the cool crates and steal all this stuff. And it's just like, I can't help it. I cannot help it. It's so hard for me to play a good play- character with no stealing or murder or... I think it's a matter of the fact that I didn't have the patience to, you know, work up to that level. I could easily be eat, be a good person, but it took more effort to be bad, you know, the whole lockpicking, I absolutely loathe the lockpicking process in there, but I like, you know, the idea of being able to do it. I don't remember how lockpicking, what was the minigame in Oblivion for lockpicking? You've got the five little, uh, you've got the tumbler and you've got to knock up the five. Oh, Oblivion was the one that had that. Yeah. I was trying to remember if that was Oblivion. You lockpick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, thought, I couldn't remember if it was Oblivion or Wizardry 8. I was, for some reason recently I was remembering that and couldn't remember what game it was from. So okay, that was Oblivion. Yeah, and I guess I just didn't, I don't have the patience to get in there and do that, but I enjoy, you know, the whole sneaking up and lockpicking stuff, or and pickpocketing stuff. You know, I picked that up from Fallout 3 and trying that a little bit, so I was able to get in there and do that and sneak attacks, but I felt like the punishment was a lot greater too, because you couldn't go into any town after you'd you know, you yeah. kill somebody in the middle of nowhere, and you show yeah, how, up in this how town. How are you bad in Oblivion, Victor? Because I just mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, Oblivion really uh, blocked you if you tried to be bad. Yeah, because you really. show up I mean, you could have tens. It was like psychic yeah. teleporting guards who always knew exactly you, where you were. You run and it would fast always, and like, you get invisibility spells. I jump. <laughs> well, see, that's probably, the thing is they have better communication than you know, like. The LAPD, because, you know, you, you travel halfway across the world two seconds after you've killed somebody, and next thing you know, <laughs> this rogue guard out in the middle of nowhere that's patrolling a street knows that you're a murderer. And startles the hell out of you. I don't know yeah. about you guys, I jumped yep. more playing Oblivion than any other game in my life. Yep. I mean, it startled me. Because, like, you'd be walking in the forest, and suddenly you'd be like, ah, this guard's face would pop out. It's like, oh, Stop, lawbreaker. Yeah. Now, I can understand if you're in the middle of the prison in the Imperial City, and you kill the jailer in front of all the guards. I can understand them knowing what you did. Yeah. But, you know, getting some little peasant out in the middle of nowhere on the other side of the country. 
you know, uh, <laughs> that just kind of frustrated me and made me. You look like a it. thief to me. Yeah. I think. Been really, so how are you bad in Oblivion? Did you just kill the guards and put up with this nonsense? Well, you no, really I mean, played the game. Did you mod you it can, away? Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You pay, I, I download the mod. Your... The guards are, you know, replaced with bunnies, and they ignore you. <laughs> no, I you can pay. Hunting. If you're part I, of the, I went deer hunting. <laughs> if you're part of the thieves guild, you can pay people off to, to take the bounty off your head, and you could you have a fence if you want to sell stolen goods. It's not tough. It's just pricey. Oh, you think like? Caught. Oh, well, I mean, I was in the thieves guild. I guess I didn't think of that as evil because I wasn't really murdering people. And I rationalized the Dark Brotherhood because it was so awesome. See, I was a good guy in Oblivion, but the only guilds I completed were Dark Brotherhood and Thieves Guild. Yeah, so you know, they had coming. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, those were... Dark Brotherhood was by far the most interesting, and the Fighter's Guild is by far the most boring, I thought, the quests. With Buzz's Orga and all her BS, yeah. <laughs> oh, female orc knights. I think it bears mentioning, though, that the biggest Oblivion mod is called Obscure's Oblivion Overhaul. The first two things that they fixed was, one, um, the like, you wouldn't have, you know, the, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, street raiders in, in adamantium armor, you know? Like, they, 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 they gave a range of levels where things could scale to. And two, no psychic guards. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I think these are fairly widespread, but, you know, they can be fixed. Didn't you say the obli- it cut down the Oblivion gates, too, so there wouldn't be one, you know, every ten feet? Yeah, and I mean, basically it would make it so when you saw one, it was like this epic moment where, like, whoa, you know, this has yeah. happened in days. Did it, did it make them any less repetitive? Uh, I mean, they can only do so much. They, they could remake the entirety of the Oblivion area, but I, I don't know if anybody's done that. Yeah, I play a lot of campaign mods, though. So, so Victor, uh, yeah. which of these games did you like the best, then? Uh, for me, I, I'm probably going to have to say that my favorite has been Morrowind. And even though I love Oblivion, I think there was just something about Morrowind and the, the setting. And, yeah, you, I mean, even the cities were so memorable in that game, you know, with the dust yeah. storm going and these, like, Shell-looking things and the dark elves are like yeah the 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 um the the architecture was really cool in in Morrowind yeah. that's something they didn't do in Oblivion and oh, nice. the story was really cool and yeah I, I would have I definitely have to say it was Morrowind what about the expansions for both uh, of Tribunal these games? and Blood Moon well uh, expansions for for Morrowind added really cool things one of them added the ability to turn into a vampire or a werewolf which again came back from from Daggerfall. And those were really cool quests. Like if you if you were part of the vampire little coterie of of of, uh, of dudes and you get missions and and or or you could try to cure it and you would have to go on this quest line to find a cure for vampirism and I don't know there was a lot of cool stuff on them. What about for Oblivion? The uh, I, I haven't got into the Shivering Isles or the Knights of the Nine. Shivering Isles is really really popular. Um, but I, is it really really good? Is it worth me going back and doing that? I want to go back and do the Dark Brotherhood, but so far I haven't heard much else that makes me want to do any of the others. I think it's worth doing, but I think if... It, it was kind of like the equivalent of the first Fallout DLC, where uh. they were kind of getting it right, and I mean, it is interesting and it is fun to play. But I mean, if you love Oblivion, it's definitely worth playing. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it's not top-grade stuff. They, they did release a lot of cool... Little expansions and the infamous horse armor, which they wanted six dollars for, <laughs> didn't do anything. Um, yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Shivering Elves was good. Knights of the Nine was really cool. Um, there's a ton of expansions, and I mean, mods and whatnot that add content, but the official one's still pretty quality. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, I don't know if we've kind of exhausted as far as the actual <laughs> content of these games themselves, but uh, before we go too much further, uh, what do you, what do you think about the future of the Elder Scrolls series? Are you looking towards? I know we've heard rumors, and you know there was a some this site, is a new story. Yeah, yeah, some site misquoted, uh, you know, Bethesda saying, "Well, don't expect Elder Scrolls Five anytime soon," and they really were just saying, "Don't expect it." Don't expect us to announce it anytime soon or to say that we're going to any, you know, they were pretty much saying, we're not telling you. But so. it was just one of those, like, why wouldn't there be an Elder Scrolls spot? Like, okay. did they hate the amount of money that they made in Oblivion? Yeah. You know, is the monk who sold his, his Ferrari? Uh, so, well, I'm no. sure it's in the works. I mean, but they've been, they, they've been holding their cards tightly with the last few games. Oh, yeah. you know, they, don't, they wait until, they don't. they don't announce things unless they know for sure what they're doing and, yeah. I mean, I know with Morrowind, I'm not as sure with Oblivion and Fallout 3, I mean, there was a, a period where the game itself underwent a lot of changes. They didn't, like we were joking earlier with Peter Molyneux, they didn't make promises before they were set. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried. There's going to yeah. be an Elder Scrolls V, and there will probably be a, a Fallout 4, but, you know, they're at the point now where they're so rich and so good at it that, you know, they can, they can, you know, do what Square does with Final Fantasy now, you know. Yeah. Only announce well, well, every Fallout. Year, yeah, there's so. the new Fallout New Vegas or whatever new it's Vegas, called. New Vegas, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's Obsidian. Yeah, doing oh. Obsidian's thing. Well, yeah, they, you know, <laughs> just, just take something and they still own the. As far as I know, they still have licensed the Fallout name, or do they own the Fallout name now? I can't they remember. Own the Fallout name. They own everything except, except the MMO. Yeah, yeah. Which they actually which sued is, Interplay for, which is an entire different yeah, subject. Because so. Interplay hasn't made it yet, right? Well, they had yeah. they had to secure funds for it by a uh, like April, March, May, something like that. Of this year, and uh, for the quarterly reports, I can't remember. They were still like you know a hundred million dollars in deficit. So, yeah, yeah. See, and that's this is kind of you know what we were talking about is they had initially said back in 2008 that uh, you know the fifth installment could be released in 2010, but they're not going to just tell some random site, oh yeah, we're making Elder Scrolls Five. You know, they're not that you know blabbermouth about their games and what they're going to do. So while we can expect it, they've not really officially announcement, though, you know, in 2006, they trademarked the name Skyrim or Skyrim or something like that, which is one of the continents on Tamriel, so, you know, they're probably just grabbing those just so that they can use them, so nobody else steals them in that case, but, uh, you know, what would you like to see from here? I know they've kind of done Fallout 3, which, you know, had a real similar style, but as far as Elder Scrolls goes, you know, what about Elder Scrolls V? What would you like to see from Elder Scrolls V? I would like to see the interface and battle system make minor tweaks, the same between 3 and 4, to 4 to 5, maybe taking some of these suggestions they see in fan patches. Like what? And I would what? like the... Hmm? Like what? What would you like to see improved? What oh, did I don't you, know. I'm not... What did creative. you sit in... Yeah, I mean, what frustrated you about Morrowind and Oblivion that you're like, man, if they would just do this, it would be better? Well, I played on the PC, and from what I heard, the interface was designed for the Xbox. So I never played it on the Xbox, but apparently it was a lot easier to read the menus and stuff. Like one of the early fan patches, I think, that came out fixed the interface on the PC because it was kind of hard to flip through and awkward to read. But uh, 
I would, I didn't, like I said, well, the guards, the, the, um, the omniscient guards would be a yeah. great interface thing to change, a gameplay mechanic to fix. I mean, they got rid of the stupid birds, but one thing you could do in Morrowind is you could fly. Like, there was a spell, fly. Yeah. And you would just cast fly on yourself. And you could just soar across the world, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And they took that up <laughs> in Oblivion. I mean, I don't know if it was because they were having draw distance issues, that there was something uh, technical-related that they took it out, but I, I wish that you could fly again. Like that, It was something neat, because it was between walking and fast-traveling. You know? Yeah. I, I, I would like to see them uh, take kind of a take a hint from Fable, you know, Ugh. have relationships, Ugh, have family, have because oh, okay, I, I think, okay, I, that I, if it's that I can see. Okay, that's one thing I, I would like to see come from it. So I can agree with that. I just nothing else about the game would. Like no, nothing else. <laughs> well, another thing like Fable, I wish magic were uh, more practical in Morrowind and Oblivion. I mean, as it were, I just don't see how you can play the game without relying on melee to some extent. I played Morrowind... You can make spells, though. You can make spells and weapons, is that what you mean? Like, but making spells wasn't as practical. I, I, don't, I just don't remember it doing as much damage, or, like, I would run out of MP too fast. I mean, you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't go from start to finish of an Oblivion Gate and just do nothing but magic and still be tearing through the level, you know? I, I mean, you could for that. melee, right? Uh, you could. <laughs> I did. I did yeah. melee the whole way through Oblivion and Fallout Three, so I guess I can say that I used a dagger pretty... once. It was a Daedric dagger in my first playthrough. Everything else was fireballs. Hmm. Well, fireballs like... and ice spells and leech spells, and I had spells to drain mana. And... <laughs> I'm gonna ask Jonathan could, a question, not ask him to answer it right now. So be thinking about this, Jonathan. Um, okay. You played you played Fallout Three. Yes. You know, a kind of similar style. If you were to see that in an Elder Scrolls type game, kind of be thinking about what you'd like to see. What what kind of things would you like to see from Fallout? Maybe make it over because that's one thing I'd say is something similar to the VATS targeting system. No, I'm not wanting exactly the VATS targeting system. Something for the I would you know, think for, that's for magic. I, I would think that's probably the exact thing I'd say, because the problem is, I mean, I never, I never played Oblivion or Morrowind or anything like that, but, you know, it just seemed, you know, Bethesda makes good games, but, you know, as mentioned before, they aren't exactly known for their polish, and things just don't look real right when they're running, you know. And the VAT mm-hmm. system, you know, added at least a little bit of depth that pulled me into it, so I, I think I'd actually play it if, if I had something like VATS. It couldn't be exactly VATS, but, you know. Yeah, because right. that's the one thing I'd like to say, because, you know, the casting magic, you could do it, but it was, a, you know, a whole lot more frustrating at times, for me at least. So mm-hmm. I, I just kind of like the whole melee as- aspect, and that's the direction I went, and I was happy with that. But, Especially if it know. went into slow motion, and then you could, like, see someone's head severed, and blood would spray. And, oh, yeah, that'd especially that would be really yeah. cool. But I think that's one distinction they might keep between the two, because mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls has always been yeah. an action RPG, and, and see, Fallout you, has you could... always been a plausible, you know, yeah. more of a tactics But RPG. see, that's the thing, is you could do Fallout 3 guns blazing, shooting from the hip without that, so it's just an difficult. extra option. Yeah, it's a different option they gave you, and it would be nice to at least have a similar option of some sorts for those of us that can't really shoot from the hip as well. Well, I mean, the controls weren't exactly made to be real first-person shooter-ish, you know, so, you know, it's not like playing, you know, Doom or anything like that, so, I mean, if you could do it, it didn't, the controls would definitely need some work. Right. 
And I, th- I think the games are all very immersive, and they all have a lot of personality. But I think that Morrowind and Fallout 3, the worlds were more interesting and had more personality in them than Oblivion did. So I would hope with 5, if they whitewashed that a little bit, trying to make it easier... I hope maybe with Fallout 3, they figured out a way to put the personality and uniqueness within each little area to make it more worth exploring. That's something they did really well more when in Fallout 3, and I hope that that comes back in Elder Scrolls 5. Yeah, and that's yeah. that goes with what I was saying earlier, that I thought Fallout 3 was more enjoyable for me because the world was less populated. I yeah. felt like, you know, when you explored, you were actually, you could find more with less being there to find. I don't know yeah. if that really makes any sense, but that's that's kind of how I feel. I mean, they were very creative with it, too. I mean, they yeah. they came up with some pretty neat things in Fallout yeah. 3. There was less in the world, but you could find so much more when you were looking. So Yeah, and environmental storytelling, which will either immediately make sense to you or it won't. But, you know, <laughs> j- just being able to tell a story from seeing, like, a couple of skeletons lying on a bed and there's like a bunch of whiskey bottles around them and they have windows are blown in and you're just thinking, you know, like this is the last moment mm-hmm. um, that they had as a guy. And I mean, just, just that kind of thing I think is what adds such a awesome level of immersion to fallout three. And hopefully you'd see it in something like, like, a, you know, go, go a little more low fantasy for the next one. I think would be really cool. Yeah, very possible. It'd be it'd be interesting to see. And I guess the other thing that I'd like to see, and I kind of I wrote about this just a little while back, was they had initially announced Elder Scrolls Travel Oblivion, and that never happened. That's right. Uh, yeah, long for the time PS, ago for the PSP. Yeah, they had. Uh, I know that's not really the most ideal thing for those PC gamers <laughs> out there in the world, but uh, you yeah. know, at least having an option for something along those lines. There's so there many JRPG. Uh, they've done some stuff like that. They've done Elder Scrolls Travels games. Yeah. I know they've done like at least three of them that I can think of, or that I've read about. But you know, it would be nice to at least see, you know, something portable because the JRPG market seems to just flood the, the the portable systems with stuff. It would be nice to see something like you know an Oblivion game on there. Something yeah, that's, as long as it's not Bioware doing Sonic and the Dark Brotherhood, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> not that. Because <laughs> that was, I mean, yeah, it was it was okay because it was a Bioware game, but... Mm-hmm. And see, this is normally the time where I ask kind of about, uh, you know, remakes of stuff. Would you like to see that? But I don't really, you know, think that's really rational for the Elder Scrolls games. I don't think you're ever going to see, like, Arena remade. You know, that, not outside of the mod community, anyway. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they've added continents and stuff, but I, I don't see Bethesda seeing that as a good idea at all. Gotcha. Well, so, yeah, anything else you all would like to talk about as far as the Elder Scrolls stuff goes? Hmm. I think that yawn sums it up. I guess we are. <laughs> I'm Elder Scrolled out. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. we're pretty good. But uh, I'd just like to thank our cast for being with us. Uh, Jonathan, our podcast producer, and Glenn Wilson, our unquitter, and uh, Victor Balbion, our Kiro Lamar. I mean, our content uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> and uh, as- forward of the RPG cast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. He who breaks the awkward silences and the long rambles. <laughs> Which I haven't been on in like four weeks. We've uh, <laughs> noticed. Won't, won't, won't. All right. But uh, just like to thank you all. As always, please follow us on uh, iTunes. Subscribe to us. We've gotten some, you know, good reviews on there. I'm actually interested to go in and read those. So hopefully we can. I guess the biggest thing we could do is just make this a little more. Uh, you know, often <laughs> to where, you know, you don't have to wait years and years for us to come up with one of these. So, yes, definitely check us out next month as well. Uh, so we, every time we do one of these, the game ends up getting remade or virtual console the next week, right? So, so yeah. you, do, you plan Lunar before they announce the remake, right? I did. We did indeed. So does this mean now there's going to be a Daggerfall remake, or it's going to be ported to the virtual no. console soon? <laughs> no. You know, it Daggerfall could be something. PSP. It could be something totally different, and they may just announce Elder Scrolls Five, and then you can all be thankful for me doing this, yeah. and for you two for suggesting it. So. Maybe we should use this power for good, not evil, and do a mother episode or something like that. See what happens. Planescape remake. It's coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should do a, a Planescape Torment. Actually. Well, we could do Black Isle. Yeah. That yeah. Awesome. I guess that's a lot of games. Yeah, and again, a... Would it just be me and you, or we have to pull Tom onto this? Yeah, we could see. Uh, that'll be we an interesting one. We people to play Baldur's Gate. We can see. I don't but, know. Uh, I can't see Mac living through it. Baldur's Gate? No. Well, if it was... On, since it's on PC now, but I'm wanting to get Dragon Age, so. It probably runs on a calculator. You can probably get Baldur's yeah. Gate. <laughs> I have a watch the entire, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate series. Very cool. But, uh, yes, thank you everybody for being with us. Thank you, Cast, for, uh, providing us with some very insightful commentary on the games, and hopefully everybody will enjoy this. And like I said, it'll either be the, a high-rated one that all the PC gamers come out of the woodwork for, or nobody listens to at all. So, either way, probably be a record breaker. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> a record breaker like you beat Oblivion at level four. <laughs> I don't can't believe that. <laughs> yes, I'll what have to the take hell a. What's wrong with you? You should try it again a... with Final Fantasy VIII. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to do that in the eight, though. But uh, oh, okay. Okay, just get lying hard and then cheese your way through the rest of the game. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's it for this episode 10 of the RPG Backtrack. And uh, thank you all for listening. Email us at backtrack at rpgamer.com. You know, check us out on iTunes. Write us on the boards. Do whatever you want. You know how to communicate with us. You're not. So thank you all for listening. And uh, that's it for this time. Catch you all later. Bye. 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 The end.